0: Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one trailblazing page of Talmud a day. If you've stuck with us for this long, you probably know by now that being a Jew, well, it ain't easy. There are rules to follow, rules that aren't always clear, which is why we need the Talmud to begin with. Knowing what we don't know, we turn to the ancient rabbis to explain it all. And even they spend most of their time arguing. But today, on Yevamot 24, the Talmud asks a pointed question. What if you're an outsider, someone new to the club, a convert? How do you figure stuff out? The answer is a bit surprising. Have a listen. The sages taught, converts are not accepted in the days of the Messiah. Similarly, they did not accept converts in the days of King David or in the days of King Solomon. Rabbi Eliezer said, What is the verse that hints at this halacha? Behold, they may gather together, but without me. Whoever shall gather together, gar in Hebrew, with you shall fall on yours. Isaiah 54.15 The word gar implies that only a convert who becomes part of the Jewish people when the Jews are living in exile at a time When God is not clearly revealed, i.e., without me, are considered part of the Jewish people. But another who wishes to convert in a time when God is clearly revealed shall not be accepted. It's a doozy. You can only truly become part of the Jewish people, the Talmud tells us, if you join us in our time of suffering, if you opt in when the going is tough. It's the struggle itself that propels you forward, that forges you into what you wish to become, into who you always knew you were. So today, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show Quinn Waller, our editor. You heard her a few episodes ago talking about dating as she completes her own conversion to Judaism. But today, she's here to grapple with a much thornier question. How do you truly learn How to be Jewish. Not the stuff they teach you in conversion class, as important as it might be, but the wisdom that is only instilled in you by living and trying and doing. To answer that question, and to claim her part in the beautiful struggle that is understanding and immersing yourself in Jewish life, Quinn turned to the one thing that holds all the answers to the mysteries of being. Food. In Cook Like a Jew... A new segment on our sister podcast, Unorthodox, she tackles everything that is not clearly revealed about Jewish life, one dish at a time. Have a listen.
1: I'm currently converting to Judaism. I'm not doing it for marriage or anyone else. I'm doing it just for me. I've got a rabbi for my religious questions, but there's a lot about being Jewish that you can't learn in a classroom or at shul. For example, my rabbi can tell me about the Amidah or why we shake the lulav at Sukkot, but we don't really talk about cultural stuff like the best brisket recipes or our opinions on the latest season of shtisel. Based on my time at Tablet, which is kind of like taking the best conversion class of all time, it seems like one of the most important of these cultural things is the food. Eating it, arguing about it, and, of course, making it. Since I don't have a potential mother-in-law lying around, I have to sort out these Jewish recipes on my own. I'll be honest, some Jewish foods are never going to be my cup of tea. I tried herring, actually on my first day working at an Orthodox, when we recorded the segment at Sherry Herring, And no shade to the chef, but truly, it was the most disgusting thing I have ever eaten. But fortunately, there are a whole lot of Jewish foods I can't wait to spend a lifetime eating, like challah and kugel and falafel and shakshuka. So I'm going on a journey to learn to cook like a Jew, and I'm bringing you along with me. I knew there was only one place to start, with arguably the most quintessential of all Ashkenazi foods— chicken soup. Oh my god, oh my god, God. this is so gross. (laughs) Today my guide is Unorthodox's producer, Josh Cross. You might not know this about him, but he's a pretty good cook. First things first, we got the ingredients. I've been very strongly informed that the best way to approach chicken soup is to approach it simply. So, give me the basic rundown of what goes into your chicken soup.
2: Simple. A whole chicken. Carrots, onions, celery, turnips, which some people won't agree with, my mom used to use parsnips, and absolutely positively dill. And then you have to make the executive decision whether you're going to have matzo balls or noodles. I generally go with matzo ball. That's it. And some salt.
1: But he warned me that half of you are gonna tell me that he's wrong. Everything was familiar to me except the turnips, but according to Josh, that's what really makes it.
2: You don't have to eat them but they make the broth taste better.
1: Okay. I cook a lot at home. I've read and watched every single thing that Samin Nostat has ever worked on. And there was even a hot minute where I thought I wanted to go to culinary school, but I don't feel super comfortable cooking meat. Is it raw? Is it overcooked? Is it dry? Is it seasoned right? I can make some absolutely killer vegetables, but meat has always seemed too risky and expensive for me to spend a lot of time experimenting. Speaking of expensive meat, Josh insisted that we use kosher chicken to make our soup, even though neither of us keep kosher. If you're like me and you have a slightly fuzzy understanding of what it means to make meat kosher, it's worth taking a look at the basics. Let's get into it. The koshering process begins when the animal is slaughtered by a specially trained guy called a shokhet and then the animal is salted to draw out the blood. The salting also makes the meat taste better. It makes sense. If you've ever salted a steak long before you've grilled it or brined a turkey, then you know the difference that pre-salting makes. It allows the salt more time to work its tenderizing magic and it helps the meat retain a lot more moisture. That's why a lot of people who don't keep kosher still opt for using kosher chicken, like Josh.
2: If you ever have to cook a Thanksgiving turkey, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: the extra expense because kosher is exorbitantly expensive is worth it for a kosher turkey because they stay moister. It just tastes better.
1: Now that we're done with the theory, it's time to get cooking. The recipe isn't hard at all. You're basically chopping up a bunch of things and throwing them in a pot with some water, but. Josh also showed me the craziest hack I had no idea about. That if you grip the chicken skin with a paper towel, it acts like Velcro and takes the skin off super easily.
2: Get yourself a paper towel. Grab that skin with a paper towel and it's just going to come right off. (gasps) Right? Oh
1: my god. That's such a good trick. Seriously, it was wild. As we cooked, we talked about our own experiences with chicken soup.
2: You told me something interesting about when you've cooked chicken soup before, (laughs) and I want to mock you for it.
1: Yeah, okay. The way that I cook chicken soup is I get cheesecloth, and I put all of my chicken and all of my herbs in the cheesecloth, and I, like, tie a little pouch out of it because I want to get the, like, nutrition and the goodness and the vitamins and everything out of the bones of the chicken, but I don't like eating the chicken in my soup.
2: So you, 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 to, to, to... To be clear here, you make chicken broth and throw out anything else that would go into it.
1: No. No, I don't throw out anything else. I throw out the chicken. Mm-hmm. But I keep I keep I keep the, the onions and the carrots and the celery and the noodles. I just throw out the chicken.
2: Okay, so you make what the French call a bouquet garni, but you put the chicken in it. So you're pulling out your herbs and stems and stuff and the chicken meat. Yes. Okay. And the bones are in the bag too.
1: It's wasteful and weird and picky, I know. And according to Josh, this is what's not Jewish about it.
2: If we're talking about the shtetl, you weren't going to waste anything. The thing that feels very, very Jewish, and I guess Italian too, but very, very Jewish about cooking is you're not cooking for you. You're cooking, mm. like when I make this, it's not for me. I, I'm going to enjoy it. When Liel talks about throwing a huge meal and he's cooking, he's talking about what he's going to serve to other people.
1: That, right there, is actually part of why I'm converting. The shift in emphasis from the individual to the community. Sometimes it seems like American culture is all about the individual and individual responsibility for happiness. And I find that to be kind of apocalyptic and alienating and depressing. People are social and communal by nature, which is something that often gets lost. I think people my age especially think we can go it alone. Without community, without the sacred, without even office friends, we'll just work from home, do yoga from home, do everything alone. A new study from Harvard suggested that 36% of American adults suffer from loneliness and the numbers are even higher amongst people my age. 61% of young adults are lonely. The importance and vitalness of community in Judaism is part of what initially drew me in, and it's something that I really relish as part of my conversion process. I know that leaving the chunks of chicken in my soup is not the cure to endemic loneliness, but the mindset of leaving the chunks of chicken is a start. What you were saying earlier about like Sephardic and Ashkenazi food traditions. It's like, it's something that I've been kind of pondering. You have the traditions that your family has, right? Sure, like I'm creating religious practices for myself, but how am I creating like cultural? Do I glom on to like Ashkenazi traditions because mm. I'm vaguely European or like, S- like S- can me- I pick and choose? You know, it's... It's,
2: it's, it's part of your um, privilege as a convert is you get to decide what what speaks to you. I can tell you that there are certain dishes at certain holidays that I way prefer the Sephardic version. My Passover seders are better for having two different kinds of horosets. I'd love to have more Moroccan in my life or more Iraqi stuff in my Mm -hmm. arsenal of dishes and stuff. Like, we're all better for having more of it. So don't get stuck in the the Ashkenazi bubble. And you're not actually the first person that asked me that. Like, how do I know if I'm Ashkenazi? So the point is you're not. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you're not a Jew.
1: Sometimes it feels like converting is a never-ending uphill battle. I'll never know everything, and I'm working on being okay with that. But... Josh pointed out something that's undeniably a perk. I get to pull my favorite parts of different traditions together to make my own traditions. And that's kind of neat. For now, I'm glad to start with soup. Very good. The dough really makes it. This
0: has been Take One a production of Tablet Studios. The show is hosted by me, Leah Libowitz, and is produced and edited by Daron Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sara Fredman-Ader, Robert Skarmucia, and Tanya Singer. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of DAF